Thank you for downloading the Inspire Me podcast series, brought to you by the University of the West of England. In this podcast, we are joined by Kerry Andriana, CEO and founder of luxury handbag brand Amshella. Hello, everybody. Um, so nice to have you all here again. Um, welcome to the Inspire Me series. This is the third um, we've had. We've had two last week, um, and this is the first of the week so far. So we're interviewing inspiring figures who graduated from UWE and formed ambitious, inclusive, innovative, and enterprising paths. So it's really exciting. This is a chance for you to be inspired, whether you're at the beginning or the middle, or maybe coming towards the end of your journey at UWE. I'm Molly Rose Crossley. I'm a third year media production student on the journalism pathway. So I was really excited to take up this opportunity to meet all these amazing people. So how this event is going to run, like I said, it's not compulsory. You're not here. You're, you're not necessarily getting marked or anything like that. Everyone is invited. Um, so we're going to run about a 20 minute, usually 25 because I ramble, uh, interview. And then there'll be time at the end to have all your questions answered. If you can pop your questions in the Q&A box, uh, the events team can go through them and take out any um, repetition or anything like that. The chat box is purely for the events team. So we'll be putting like links to Kerry's work in there um, and all of that kind of stuff and any chat announcements, if there's any technical glitches, that'll all go in the chat. So yeah, if you pop your questions throughout the chat in the Q&A box, we'll come to those at the end. Um, so just a little note um, to say also there's no my attendance code um, in case you're waiting for one there, there isn't one of those um, and it will all be recorded and posted on the library website um, you know maybe about a week's time just to get all the tech all nice and slick and make sure everything's looking gorgeous um, so now we're going to get on with the bit that you're all here for and introduce our wonderful speaker today I'm super excited about this one um, <laughs> So we have multi, let's just, let's just process this, multi-award winning handbag designer, like that means more than one, that's amazing, multi-award winning handbag designer, Kerry Andriana, she is the CEO and founder of UK affordable luxury handbag brand, Amshella. Uh, Kerry initially started her career as a lawyer in the areas of criminal and prison law before ending her 15 year legal career as an adjudicating judge in 2016 to enter the fashion industry. I mean, that's amazing. Uh, since launching the brand in 2017, Kerry has steered the brand to become recognized, a recognized celebrity favorite. And her brand has appeared at London Fashion Week, which we were just, which you just mentioned, you've just had, um, and the BAFTAs and made its way to numerous high-end magazines featuring Vanity Fair, Tatler, British GQ and British Vogue. Uh, Kerry holds several award titles and nominations, including Entrepreneur of the Year, uh, <laughs> Business of the Year, and a past nominee for the Great, Great British Entrepreneur Award and the British Small Business Award. The brand is a three times London Fashion Week designer brand with selections in 2019, 20 and 21. I haven't finished, there's more to go. Uh, in 2020, the brand uh, was made a designer member of the British Fashion, Fashion Council and Kerry herself was a nominee at the 2020 Fashion Awards. Kerry also served as a judge for the 2021 Fashion London Fashion Film Festival. Kerry is currently embarked on a mission to transition her brand to a full vegan brand 
and is a member of the SME Climate Hub, where she promotes sustainable and circular business models in fashion, transparency and traceability through the production and manufacturing lines of fashion houses, including her own. I know lots of people are going to be interested in, in hearing more about that. In her spare time, Kerry enjoys working with disadvantaged young people seeking to enter the fashion industry and provides valued mentoring and internships either within the brand or as a personal development coach. Oh my God, Kerry, like you've done so much. It's so exciting. Amazing. So I've been asking everyone the first question. Everyone's had the same first question. We want to start at the beginning. Have you always been interested in fashion? And do you have any early memories that influence this path? Yeah, I was just listening to you um, describe me just then. I almost didn't recognize myself. <laughs> it's all um, you, baby, it's all you. <laughs> um, yes, to answer your question, I always had an interest in bags in particular. Um, my grandmother was a seamstress, so I used to stay with my grandmother and grandparents a lot. And um, my grandmother used to make clothes and to, I think I was a noisy child because she used to always give me her handbags to play with. Um, and I was about six and seven years old. And I just became fascinated. Um, different styles, different shapes, um, different interiors. Um, and she always had a bag for every outfit. And I just became, yeah, you know, really kind of entrenched in how they were made. Um, so that started about the age of six, seven. Um, but I never thought of it as a career. I always wanted to be a lawyer, always. Um, but I used to make bags in my spare time um, just for something to do or for friends um, and myself. And then I think once I left my legal career in 2016, um, it was just like, what do I do next type of thing? Um, and, you know, one of my, I have two children, two boys. And one of them said, you know, you're always making bags. Why don't you, you know, do a handbag company? And um, just went from there, really. I love that. So you have these early memories of your your grandma yeah. having, you said, a handbag for every outfit. Every outfit. That's just so amazing. Are there any particular ones that you remember? Yeah, she had this amazing silk uh, Louis Vuitton bag that she had saved up for, I think, about two years to buy. She never wore it. It was always like in a, in a, I was always remember like a little casing bag. Um, but every now and then she would take it out and show me. And it was just amazing. I just became really fascinated that, you know, if you have the idea of a bag, but it can be so many different things and so many different people, the way you use it, the way you wear it, um, what its purpose is for, colors and trends. And it was just one of those things that I just used to like to just do. But I think through my legal career, it was almost like just some downtime. It was so different from the legal profession. You know, I could just sit around, you know, endorse myself in loads of material and sketching and things like that. So it just was really a hobby for many, many, many years as I was growing up. Mm, amazing. And so, like you said, you you stuck with being a lawyer for 15 years. That's a, that's a long time. Um, and as someone who's come to university later in life, I can completely relate to kind of how scary it is suddenly going, right, I'm going to change everything that I want to do now. Um, what made you decide? Was there something that made you specifically decide, right, it's handbags now? Or was it a slow progression that made you change career? Um, I think throughout my legal career, I've had quite a varied career. So you're quite right. You said I started off in criminal law, 
ended up then specializing in prison law, working a lot with parole boards and um, things like that. And then I transitioned um, over to adjudicating um, on parole and sentences and things like that. But throughout my career, I traveled a lot. So I'm originally from Bristol and I'd gone from Bristol to, to Gloucester, to Birmingham, to London. Um, I settled in London for about seven years. And I think the company I was with at the time were then shifting and they were moving up north and it would have meant another move to Liverpool. And I just decided I don't want to travel anymore. I just done with it. I've just traveled for 15 years. I feel like a bit of a nomad. And um, my family are predominantly here in Bristol. So um, it was literally really a no brainer really to take redundancy and just come home. Um, and once I got home, it was then, well, what do I want to do? Do I want to go back into law and find another legal uh, role or do I want to do something different? Um, and I just decided to kind of go for it. The initial plan was to see how it went for six months, launch some products, um, have an Instagram shop for six months. And then if that didn't work out to go back to law, because a lot of my friends are still here in Bristol, they're still um, solicitors and barristers, or they work in the legal profession. So it was like, Kerry, come back, come back. And I was like, no, let me just try and see what happens. Um, and yeah, the rest kind of is history. Brilliant. So what was it that you specifically, so was it around that time you decided to then attend UWE? No, so I went to UWE, oh my God, a long time ago, Molly. Right. You know, very, very long time ago, uh, 2003 to four. So I did my law degree at uh, Bristol University. And then I came over to UWE to do my LPC, my legal practice course year. I was one of, I think I was the first, in the first year of students um, at the university that actually had done the LPC there because it never used to be done there um, and then I did my two-year legal practice with a law firm in Bristol mm -hmm. and then qualified after that so yeah a long time ago but I had so much fun. So I was going to say yeah so it wasn't fashion that you studied at UWE mm. it, was, it was law but yeah. do you find many of the skills that you picked up when you were a student do they still transfer I mean you could have such for such far apart subjects but you know are there things that you're like man yeah I got this from that tutor or you know the support staff or anything like that that really kind of helps I mean that's a really good question and I've always said to people um when I look back now at the success that the brand has had that I honestly don't think I could have done it without the um the skills I learned whilst I was practicing to study law. So for example, at UWE we're taught, um, you know, research skills, for example, how to work in a methodical manner, how to be logical, how to analyze, how to not know anything about a subject, but to be able to go off and research it and pr produce, you know, 2000 word dissertation, for example. Um, so I'm out to be organized. So all of those skills are relevant to business. So I think the transition, even though people think oh, they're so different disciplines, law and then, you know, fashion designer, but the actual entrenched disciplines and the, trans the transparency between the skills is, is practically the same. You need the same skills to do what I do now that I used when I was actually, when I was practicing. 
That's amazing. That's really good. That's a really, really good piece of kind of advice because a lot of people maybe go on to something else, you know, right. after university. Um, but it doesn't mean that that time has gone to waste, you know, like you said, the discipline research, like research is in everything, like whether you want to do like fine art or medical something, you know, research is such a huge part of that and time management as well yeah. is, is huge as well. Yeah, so all, all of those things combine, I think, and I, I'm very appreciative of like, obviously the university, I'm so proud to be an alumni, and, um, but those skills that would kind of, as a student, you think, oh my God, this is so laborious, why do I have to do that? But I am telling you to anyone listening, any of the students listening, those skills will stand you in good stead for whatever you want to do in, in, in later life because they're the skills of they're the skills of business mm. Mm, totally no that's really really mm. great that's really really great um so back to fashion basically right what would it what was it like being a judge on london at the L london fashion film festival like that is such a huge nod of recognition what was that like mm. what was that experience like it was absolutely amazing um and I was so honored to be asked to be a judge. So I actually judged the accessory section mm -hmm. and I judged, I'm trying to think now, 16 films wow. for their accessory content. Um, and it was quite in depth. Um, and it was just a real great honor to, you know, be viewed as somebody as having that type of expertise in such a short period of time to come in and, and, and judge and, and critique. Um, and it was a really fun experience. Obviously, I got to watch loads of films as well. <laughs> um, but that was a huge honour. Um, I was I was also asked to do it for 2022, but I wasn't I was unable to. But um, it's something that hopefully I will be able to get back to. Um, we've de developed a really good relationship now with the London Fashion Film Festival. But it was a really good insight into being able to transport yourself I guess into a different dimension and see how fashion is used I mean ordinarily we just think of fashion as whether it's bags or clothing or shoes you know a product that's in a shop and we don't really get to see how product is used um, on screen or in film and in movies and how people interpret um, everything that kind of goes on in a setting. It's like almost like if I just was to use as an analogy, you know, Emmerdale, for example, like the clothing that people wear, the bags that people are carrying, why, who picked that coat? How does that coat go with the thing? So it's, it's looking at the longevity of the product be, beyond the sale of the product. Mm. Oh yeah, it was really good. That's a really interesting way to look at it because, you know, if something wasn't fitting in a setting, it takes you out of that, moment doesn't it you know if yeah. someone if a character in Emmerdale's a good example suddenly was wearing stilettos on the farm it would take you out of the moment because it's completely yeah. you know it's that's a really interesting way of looking at it um mm. and do you bring the inspiration that you see at those kind of events back into your brand um well I always look for inspiration I mean just going to the shop sometimes I'm always looking at things um the way the leaves fall off a tree, for example, or um, brickwork, um, gates, doorways, shapes. So I always tend to be looking, everything is inspirational. And the good thing about fashion is that you can make anything fashion. 
and I, and I think that's what I like. I think like obviously with a legal career, you are really kind of bound by the legislation and you know looking at the at legal principles that have gone on before and trying to navigate um, any case or judgment that you're doing within the perimeters. But I think with fashion, it's so open. It's so what you make it really. Mm. And I think so the um, the freeness of fashion is really what I like. I love that. I love that. Not being restricted to yeah. certain ideas. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I love to say the falling of the leaves and I'm looking out at my like autumn, autumn window yeah. right now. And that's, yeah, that's so lovely. Um, so why, why is it important to you to make your brand vegan? Right. So we are actually vegan now. So we became full vegan on the 18th of February and we of this year 2022 and we launched our full vegan range at London Fashion Week um, for February um, so that was really good we I didn't think we'd make the deadline if I'm honest it went right up to the wire um, but it was a two-year transition we started the transition literally just before the coronavirus pandemic happened um so it was very difficult to go through the whole process and we wanted to do it properly it was very important for my brand to do it properly so we are a peter approved vegan brand um and obviously with that there are you know loads of um stipulations and regulations and what we can use in materials and what we can't use um but i think the consumer nowadays i think when you look at fast fashion for example and the toxicity levels uh, and the harm to the environment just to be fashionable. I think it's looking at scaling it back. I would rather put the brand produce less um, that doesn't hinder or harm the environment and doesn't leave at the end of its product life as well, um, toxins that can either harm animals or the earth. So it was quite a long transition, but once we decided to do it, we just went for it. And so we had a two year period to do the whole transition. And so at some point we were a hybrid brand. So we still had a leather collection and we had introduced in the vegan collection slowly. So it kind of went like that. Mm -hmm. um, and then eventually we got rid of the last lot of leather products and we were able to launch the full vegan collection two months ahead of our deadline but well we moved forward so that we could launch it at London Fashion Week. So that was the point that I thought, I don't know if we're gonna be able to do this. Um, but yeah, the team really pulled out all the stops. And so I just think it's important to say who we are and to stand on those principles. So as of today, we are a hundred percent vegan brand. That's incredible. And, and I also mm -hmm. said in the introduction, um, transparency, what, what exactly does that mean for you and your brand, the transparency? Well, it means being able to, one, see who we are, to um, refer to the materials that we're using and why we're using them and looking at your supply chain as well. And obviously making sure that your manufacturers are also abiding by those principles, you know, clean air um, principles, principles of uh, no child labor, um, fair wage, um, and looking at everyone in the process not just the end product say so if you called amshella the end product but before the bag gets to us obviously i, I design um 
we used to make the bags in-house uh, we don't do that a lot anymore because it's, it's just I wouldn't have enough time in the day <laughs> so you know it's when we started to look for a manufacturer um, we had various stipulations we wanted to manufacture in the UK it's very important that Amshella remains a UK brand it's a British brand um, and then finding someone a, com a company that had those same principles as us and so the whole chain is transparent so ultimately the consumer can kind of look back on the journey of the bag before it became a bag so when we're talking about transparency that's what we're talking about brilliant yeah that's so so important did you Thank do you, you how was the response what's the response been like since you've kind of made this 100 change to vegan um it's been really really good obviously we did lose some um followers and some some customers we did um but that was a risk that we wanted to take obviously ultimately the decision lies with me and i think you know not everyone believe it or not what is interested in sustainability um there are some people that do want leather they do want exotic skins they do want to wear ostrich and crocodile and and snake skins and and all the rest of it and and that is fine and there'll be a brand that will still sell those products that they can go to but i think that if as a brand identity point um it's my decision that we are a vegan brand we don't promote um products that are harmful to the earth the environment people um and even at their end of life um if they were to go to landfill there are no toxins being released into the environment potentially so there's a lot of things to consider but yeah you know i wish them well um and obviously you know we're just not the brand for them mm, mm. i love that attitude as well that there is another brand out there for you but i'm not going to change my principles yeah for you and that's such a power that's such a powerful message because yeah. sometimes people will bend you know sometimes people might go oh we maybe we'll do a few leather handbags but you've gone yeah. this is this is the path we need to take yeah and i and i think if you look at a lot of the brands obviously we're an affordable luxury brand so for those people that don't know what that means so we sit under the high-end brands if you're thinking of the amazing brands which i i still love all these brands gucci prada fendi valentino the real high-end high-end so underneath that you will have the um then the top affordable luxury premium brands where you have your ted bakers michael core dune aldi and so amshella we kind of then sit literally a layer under there so we are affordable luxury and um and what we aim to do is to produce bags of a similar quality has the high-end um brands but at affordable price points that are also sustainable so it means that we've had to kind of scale back on the numbers that we produce because obviously sustainable products are slightly more expensive because of the materials and um, the cost of the materials is, is quite high but a lot of brands do do the duality so they will have a leather range and they will also have a vegan range and we did i did toy with that idea for a while but i still felt that wasn't who we were so mm. we decided to make the full change right yeah make, mm. makes total sense makes total <laughs> sense and and it's a really i think it's a really admirable thing to do as well like not just sitting on the fence going you know leading with your principles and leading with what you believe in um mm. and that also kind of leads us so you're a part of the sme climate hub could right. you tell us a little bit about that like what is that 
Right, so the government's introduced their race to net zero and the SME Climate Hub is part of that um, infrastructure. So as a business, you sign up to be guided by their principles and it's about transparency, sustainability, reducing your carbon footprint and, you know, really committing your business not is literally i guess i would say a place where you do the actual walk not just talk the talk and so by allowing signing up to be a member um it means that we're also at the forefront of what sustainability and zero carbon actually means in terms of products and product development and so again there's another set of rules and principles that we we signed up to abide by um yeah so it's really cool and I, I would encourage if there's anyone here who has a business and you're really interested in you know the race to net zero to contact the sme climate hub um mm. and you know sign up and see what they can do for your brand and and it's also helpful to have um a government body that you can also go to for help we're in your, we're a young brand we're still only five years old um, who we can go to along our sustainable journey to net zero. So I think we've pledged to um, be fully uh, zero carbon by, um, I think it's 2035. So hopefully. No, that's great. It's, it's really great to hear that, you know, the whole sustainability kind of transparency is not just seen as a, as a minority anymore. You've got yourselves, you've got these lovely luxury brands. It's not just the, the uh, kind of little funny little shop at the bottom of the road that sells all the incense sticks and stuff. You know, it's, it's, it's a luxury thing. And, and it's great that you're at the forefront of, of making that making that happen that's fantastic um so just a little reminder everyone who's listening do get your questions in i've got a few more myself um but really you guys are here to to uh to pick the brains of this amazing inspirational like i'm inspired i'm like wow this is just fantastic um so yeah get your questions in into the question box um and then our events team uh uh, uh scurrying away to get all those questions in so um a little little thing that we said in the introduction as well is how you spend your spare time right and it's not snuggling down and reading a book and putting your feet up it's <laughs> it's it, working with young disadvantaged people who want to enter the fashion industry um right. so either through mentoring and internships or as a personal development coach how did you come across kind of like doing that is that with the brand itself or is that you independently both but <laughs> mainly with the brand so initially what had happened was when the pandemic hit um it was what was that march 2020 i believe yeah i think so yeah there were a lot of um students fashion students who were due to go on placements for that year and a lot of them ended up being cancelled um, so because my brand, we are currently online, so we tend to work remotely for, you know, four days of the week. Um, and so we started to get contacted by, you know, students who, you know, just wanted a placement or just wanted some advice on, you know, did we have any space? People are often to come in and do volunteering and freelance, which is really important as well, because obviously the fashion industry by large requires you to have one year experience. Um, so we ended up 
taken on and opening up the brand and taking on, I think it was that first year we took on four, four, four students throughout the summer um, in areas of graphic design, fashion design, social media and marketing. And that worked really well. And then we kind of just developed our own in-house program. Um, so something I'm very passionate about. So since in the last two years, we have progressed 34 young people wow. of various um, three months to six months, either it's uh, freelance positions, volunteering, we were a Kickstart employee. Um, we even take from the universities as well. Um, students will come in and we look at obviously the disciplines um, and where we can place them. And my hope is that by coming to the brand and getting real life experience, it helps them to meet that one year qualification period that they can then go out into, you know, not that we're not the real world, but you know, the real world. <laughs> so I, I'm almost, I always almost call the brand like, yes, we're a business and we're a business for profit. Um, we're a limited company, but we're also more than that. We are um, a vehicle of learning for young people. And I think in the fashion industry, you know, people from outside of London, you know, even if you've got a university degree or not, kind tend to get overlooked because I think the premise is that, you know, all luxury fashion brands, if they don't come from Paris or, or Spain or Italy, they come from London. And so by allowing people from the young people from the Southwest to, you know, make their journey through us, and we can help in any way we can. So it's something I'm very, very passionate about. So um, the only downside is when we're full and I don't have any, <laughs> I don't have any space. And um, sometimes the young people don't want to leave at the end of their oh. placement, but that's a good thing. But it's about opening the doors of access and, um, you know, applying social mobility. You know, social mobility isn't just for charities. There's a lot of work that um, businesses profit and limited companies can also do. So I guess it's just reworking your business model in order to kind of accommodate what is kind of, I guess, seen as out of the norm, really. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think when a lot of the young people I speak to come through the brand, you know, they go for interviews and they're just not getting anywhere because of the lack of experience. So we are a British Fashion Council brand, so we're already at a quite a good standard um and so if we can let the brand you know help as many people as we can then surely a good thing I think definitely and and because it's is it you said it's all remote so you can yeah. work with people all over the the country yeah we can work with people we do tend to stick to um Bristol and the locality um, because we're a Bristol brand or so literally we tend to more focus on people that are students within the southwest area that cannot get to London um, because if you're a London student for example you've got more avenues to to actually get experience where I think you know for a lot of students who are predominantly in the southwest may not want to move to London yeah. or to undertake a placement um, and so and it's, it's a really fun culture like I said you know we're predominantly online but we do have office days and we all get together and and you know it's one of my highlights as would have been a photography student mm. um, that we took on for a three-month placement and 
the image that they took actually ended up in Hello magazine. Wow, that's amazing. Great. So that was really, so we've had some really good highlights for students um, doing London Fashion Week, for example, um, and participating in the preparation for that and actually attending the event. Um, and we've had one of our students has left us, uh, did marketing and now works for uh, one of the big, 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 like, you know, fashion houses. So it's really good that the training that we give is looked at as quite valued. So we're looking in the future to develop that some more. What would you say are your three top characteristics you look for people when they're when they come to you working asking for experience? I would say um, passion to be very passionate, and um, I think I look for how would I explain that? See, this might sound really strange. I don't really look at talent mm -hmm. in terms of qualification wise, because I believe that talent can also be taught, right? So if you had someone who wants to be a graphic designer, for example, and they've never done it, you know, you could find a graphic design course to put them on. So I really look at the characteristics more of a person, their personality, what are they like working within a team, um what values do they hold personally to see whether they're going to be a good fit for the brand mm, that's really interesting yeah like you said you, yeah. you can you can teach skills but there are yeah. some things you can't teach yeah um, that's i more look on the humanitarian side mm. of the person um you know and to see whether they're going to be a good fit and whether their values that they personally hold align with the brand mm. that's more important to me because I think, like I said, you can teach talent to a degree. Mm. Perfect. Amazing. Right. So we have got some questions from the audience. So I'm going to start from the top. So here we go. What materials do you mainly use now? And you no longer, uh, what materials do you mainly use now that you no longer use leather? Sorry. So we currently use um, a synthetic leather called polythrene. Our recent collection has been wheat straw, um, recycled rubber. So on our website, you'll see a bag called the Runa, the R-U-N-A is actually made from recycled rubber, which was from bicycle inner tubes. Um, and we also use hemp. Mm. Is that so with the hemp more for the kind of softer bags or can you make yeah. hemp? Yeah. More for the softer bags. So we are looking at um, launching our signature collection next year. And we are also looking at developing our own um, sustainable material, but I can't tell you what, what we've chosen because that would be an exclusive. So, <laughs> so you'll have to make sure that you follow follow Kerry on all, uh, I'm, I'm Shayla on all social medias and stuff. I'm pretty sure we've got all of those links in the chats and stuff. Um, we'll talk about that at the end. Um, that's really interesting. And and you're transparent with the loops where you get those things as a part of your, like you said, the inner tubes from the bikes and. Yeah. And yeah. And it, that was a really good project to work on as well, because um, when people are finished with their bicycles, they usually like throw them away and throw the tires away, throw the inner tubes away. Um, and we found a charity um, that literally was collecting them 
and we just said, you know, could we have them? We wanted to sample them and see what we could do. And obviously sent them to our manufacturers. They then had to go for another process because to obviously take out the grease and the oil and stuff like that to make it, um, you know, fully sustainable. And then obviously we had to run it by um, our regulators and stuff and it came out really fine. And um, we were then able to, I think the Runa's in two colors, black and the lilac color, I believe. And then to use like low cost, um, you know, non-toxic dyes to get the color in. So um, I'm glad she turned out really well because <laughs> it was it was at some stage a harrowing process, but it's just one of those things that you, you know, you learn as you do it. Mm. Um, and like I said, we're looking to develop our own um, sustainable fabric. Mm. And you've got to be patient with these processes, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, awesome. Were you afraid to uh, were you afraid to pursue Amshella um, bef- uh, after being a lawyer for so long? Terrified. <laughs> Terrified. And I will tell you now, um, once we decided to do it and I drew up a business plan, we actually went on the road to secure um, investment at first. And, you know, went off to the banks and we were just refused by every, every bank refused us because it was like, you know, you've never run a business before. You've not been to handbag design school. How are you going to create a luxury brand? How are you going to do it? And I was like, I remember in, um, in one meeting, I said, look, I've got these bags here. I've made these bags um, and we can do it. And so we just decided to do it on our, on our own eventually, but I was absolutely terrified. Um, and especially because I don't come from the fashion background and I don't have, or at that time, I had no connections to the fashion industry. Um, oh, Kerry, you've just gone on mute for a second. Oh, what's happened? Oh, there we go. We're back. <laughs> um, so you, we, we lost you on, um, you had no connections with the, with the fashion industry and the banks were, were turning you around. Yeah. Yeah, I had none. So it was very, I guess I kind of, we went into it blindly. Mm. But you yeah. kind of, you felt that fear anyway and kept going. Yeah, I think sometimes you have to. I think you, if you really are passionate, going back to the word passionate, and you believe in something, I think there's nothing worse than saying, I wish I had done that. I, I'm a firm believer in, thinking you should do something, wanting to do it and just doing it. What's the worst that can happen? Yeah, yeah, you're, so, you're totally right. You're totally right. And your, your proof that actually riding out that fear, you know, is, is worth it in, in the long run. You know, otherwise you can you know, be, be stuck doing what feels safe. Yeah. You know? um, do you think it's harder to run a fashion business from Bristol than it would be in London? It's a good question very good question I think it's easier for me because we're not so caught up in the fashion politics Mm. and so by being outside of the fashion city we are able to I think think more creatively and try new things and and focus more on the brand and who we are um obviously I go to London quite a lot still for events and meetings and things but I think that we've shown that you can run a very um successful luxury fashion business that is not in the you know luxury kind of 
realm of the city. So, no, I, I, I like it actually. Hmm, amazing. Have you considered? Uh, have you considered, considered to start a vegan shoe collection to go with your handbags? There will be no exclusives. <laughs> Thank you. Just, just going to have to follow all of the socials to find out about all of these things. Uh, that was if, an, you, if, you, if you watch this space within the next 12 months, you might see some other things. There we go. That's, that's all you're getting. That's all you're getting. <laughs> Um, when you design your products, how much do you base it on the current market and known preferences? And how much do you introduce completely new ideas or features? Wow, that's a great question. All right, let me break, let me break that down. So in terms of following the market, we don't. We don't follow the market. Um, I've always really struggled um, with being told, I guess, what the chosen colorway is going to be for next season. Um, it's not how we design in-house. We, Amshella bags are more designed on character as opposed to trends. We do kind of look at the trends slightly, um, but I think that is the uniqueness of Amshella mm. is that we don't, really follow the trends everyone else might be putting out I don't know a lime green bag and we might come with you know purple mm. yeah mm. so it's it's about I think responding to our customers and our consumers who tell us what when we run surveys what they'd like to see so we we, we try and really cater to the Amshella women mm. and you know as the entourage of Amshella women gets bigger and bigger and bigger that's how we've decided to organically grow the brand. I think it's too easy to follow a trend because I think, what are you really creating? If you're just following the trend, I mean, that's my kind of viewpoint. Um, and the second part of the question was introducing features. Mm. Features in what way? If they can just clarify that. Uh, oh, the question's been taken away now. Um, where's it gone? Okay, if, if, any, if you want to, the person who added that question, if you just wanted to pop, oh, there it is. Thank you, whoever put that back in. Uh, how, do you, how much do you introduce completely new ideas or features? So I, I guess that means maybe like a, a new element or a new, I think that's what that means. Um, all the time, because I think when, when you're designing, you're always thinking of something, for example, where I'm sitting now, I'm literally sat at my design desk and uh, in front of me is a huge bay window and I could be, have an idea for design and somebody might walk past me and they might have something on, I don't know, a shape of a hat or something that I then think, oh, that's a good, let me try and incorporate something. So all the, I think all the time as a designer, you're always thinking of new features and elements. But like I said, if you watch this space, <laughs> next 12 months something really really amazing is happening so the brand was kind of going through another sort of transition but mm. I won't say too much about it but. it all sounds um really organic you know and I don't just mean with the with the products that you use with the the um types of leather you use um it sounds really organic where you get your inspiration from and it's really interesting what you say about 
the Amshella woman. You're catering to your clientele. You're not catering to the trends that, that pop up. Yeah. And yeah. I, I would argue, I mean, I'm no fashionista, but I would argue that's what keeps things current is actually not following the crowd and not following the, the kind of, because that's how things get dated, I, I would assume. Um, yeah. I mean, for me, I just think it's too easy to, you know, I don't know, go to uh, fashion school or all the trend predictors. So mm. you have like Pantone, for example, who I really do admire. They Pantone every year send out the um, the colorways next year, what the color is going to be for next year. And we do look at them, but if we don't feel that that is the color for us, then we don't, then we just don't go with it. Mm. It doesn't dictate what you do. No, mm. no. You know, um, Vogue produce every year as well. The um, I think is the next 100 shapes or, you know, we have a look at that. But if, if I don't see anything that I think relates to the Amshella woman or the brand, then we don't, you know, we design, mm. we design what we think. Mm, mm, so we have one last question so if you've got any questions out there please get them in speedy speedy um right. so if your instagram shop hadn't been successful after the first six months do you think you would have kept pushing for its success instead of going back to law no i would have went back to law i had i had a set period for six months um and if it didn't work out, we would have went back to law. But what happened during those six months is that we were spotted by British Vogue during the six months. A crazy story. Um, and they contacted us and said and they'd seen us online and um, I'd wanted to do a feature. And I think they became very intrigued because I don't, I don't have any formal handbag experience. Mm. But again, I've been making bags since I was six years old. So um that kind of intrigued them and then British Vogue contacted us and we appeared I think in the January 2018 issue um and they said that we were um the write-up was really good it said that we were you know possibly the next handbag brand to watch and it then all just kind of went I up. really <laughs> I really appreciate your honesty as well in saying yeah I would have done you know, yeah. you know, some people would almost kind of like see the success that they've got now and forget that fear that, that you you would have had. But yeah, that, that's I really appreciate it. But it happened. It happened. And, and here you are. And that's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So thank you everybody for all your questions. Um, unfortunately, we've run out of time. I just have a few little bits and bobs today to say yeah. before we go. Firstly, massive thank you, Kerry. That was so inspiring and, and really, really wonderful. Like absolutely really, really brilliant to hear all that. Um, Kerry is actually one of our really generous alumni who has donated a prize da -da -da -da, to our 30 year anniversary prize draw, celebrating the amazing enterprises that alumni like Kerry have gone on to establish. Uh, and we've got a, a little uh, a, um, screen coming up in a minute so you can, um, so you can uh, join. Um, uh, sorry, I lost my place in my, in, in my notes. Uh, enterprises and uh, alumni like Kerry have gone on to establish the draw and it offers 30 chances to win brilliant gifts, experiences and vouchers. The beautiful Amshella Pater approved vegan Thais handbag. Am I saying that right? Thais. Thais handbag is, oh my mm. notes have gone. You've shared your screen and I can't see what I was reading. <laughs> 
anyway um yes so um because we've got this lovely lovely image up now there we is that the handbag kerry yeah that is that is, that's the thais that is our very first vegan bag wow so you could win that and i believe in these slides um there is a there we go there's the um qr code so you can scan your qr code and you've got a chance to win one of these handbags amongst other wonderful prizes as well and if you come to the talk on friday um we will be announcing some some more of the lovely prizes so yes thank you so much kerry that was that was absolutely fantastic um and i believe we've put um links in the chat to instagrams and all of those kinds of things are those the best places to keep up to date with all of your all of your uh, exciting news yeah i think uh, on our website is www.amshella.co.uk um also instagram our instagram and twitter is at amshella but um you could also sign up to our newsletter. Um, I think the link is on our Facebook page or in the link tree on Instagram. Um, you do get 15% off, but also what it gives you is access to our internal blog. So we have a blog newsletter called Amshelogenic, um, which um, was actually set up by one of our students. Oh, great. <laughs> and it, it's amazing and it gives you um, just little insights and inside knowledge on some other little things on the brand that some are public and yet some aren't public and exclusives um and things like that and so and like i said just before i go you know i'm sure we're a really open brand so if you do follow us on instagram you know you might see me in the comments i try to every now every now and then um you know say hi to people and things like that and so and for those of you in bristol i live in bristol so if you do see me around in sainsbury's say hi <laughs> <laughs> And how can people get in touch if they're interested or hearing about placements and, and the mentoring and things like you said? Right, so if you um, send an email to, I think it's, it's on our website as well, um, but it's inquiries at amshello.co.uk. And if you just put in the subject head in placement, um, it will go to one of the teams. Perfect. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Kerry. And thank you so much, everybody, for, for joining us today. Our next talk is on Friday and that's our last as well um, and you can catch up on all the other ones they are on the library website so thank you everybody bye 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 for more information about the inspire me series including other podcasts from the series visit ue.ac.uk forward slash study forward slash block zero forward slash inspire me thanks for listening